0: Blue is the color. Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. We are doing another episode following a rambunctious game week 12, and we are gonna look ahead to game week 13 in advance of the festive
1: fixtures. I'm um, Your co-host, John,
0: together with Brian. Brian,
1: how are we doing? I'm very happy to report there was no international break hangover. There were goals all over the place in every single match, and you love to see that as an FPL manager.
0: Absolutely. This game week was like one of those Spanish manager or excuse me, Spanish commentators uh, just saying goal because goal rush left and right. You turn around, they go to one game. There's a goal there. They turn around. There's two goals and another interesting match. And it was just left and right. The goals were pouring in. It was sight to see. Uh, And I think there were some good scores across the FPL game. The average in the FPL community was 57. Brian and I both, Very beat strong. That. yeah, Brian and I, we both beat that pretty handedly, but on this episode, we really want to discuss the top performers for game week 12. We're going to get into some listener questions. We're going to get back into the fold of doing that on every episode and also just discuss our respective transfer and captaincy plans going into game week 13, as we look ahead to more matches over the course of the next month or so with that, Brian, how'd do we do in game week 12?
1: Yeah, bucks i was thinking about what you said about the goal rush uh, here in the us that's a big part of how we watch the premier league games on peacock and this was one where you just felt like all the highlights were delayed by a minute or two because the goals were coming in so fast and uh furious so yeah something that we're not usually accustomed to and a couple crazy like three three matches right so multiple Uh, goals on each side. You love to see that. And for my team got a 16 K red arrow. So not the worst ended up on 68 points. Um, I'm now at 124 K or got two transfers in hand, but I think, uh, you know where I'm going with this. I really kind of was going back and forth. And I asked you specifically via text to walk me off the Reese James ledge, because I wanted to be you know, a little bit more conservative bank two transfers and then make some moves with Tony and Mbumo. And instead of just going Aspie to James, I banked my transfer. So now this has resulted in Aspie who I bought at 6.0, dropping all the way to 5.8. And now James is 6.1. So I have missed Uh, the boat entirely uh, on that. So no, no longer can I make the straight swap. I am now have to find 0.3 elsewhere with my two transfers. So that's a bit of a bummer, obviously currently tinkering a lot, but in my side, like most people, all the fullbacks, the wing backs, just absolutely sensational showing from them. Chilwell had nine points, Cancelo 12, Trent with 15, capped Salah with uh, 16. But I think the rest of my team was, was rather disappointing because I had some uh, high profile players playing in that Sunday in both of those Sunday fixtures with the likes of Rafinha, Son, uh, you know, Foden, and all of those guys were huge letdowns. Rafinha has a mystery illness, so he misses out completely. And that was that one was a tough one to swallow because I, if I knew he was, had an illness prior to the deadline, I probably would have made my transfer to bring James in because I would have had a much weaker starting 11. So that one's a tough one to bite. Foden comes off at 57 minutes. I think Pep was just protecting him after the game was in hand. So you hate one of your players just a few minutes away from getting at least three points um, in that clean sheet point. So he misses out there. Son, he blanks again as part of the Tottenham experiment under Conte. We'll talk about them a little bit more closely later on. But all up, you know, 68 points, small red arrow, two transfers in hand, ready to make some moves going to game week 13. Enough about me, Bucks. Tell me about your squad and a really impressive score.
0: Yeah, so I ended up with eighty-one points and a twenty-one k green arrow, up to forty-two thousand in the world overall. So pretty happy with well that. Well done, Bucks.
1: Well done. Yeah, nice pulling, pulling off pulling off the uh, the Kobe points, the the high of eighty-one. I like it.
0: Yeah, and you know what? It was patience was
1: key in this one. I also.
0: As Brian mentioned, we we text pretty regularly back and forth, just FPL thoughts, what we're up to. And in this one, Brian was going on the Aspie James transfer move. And I was really thinking Havertz to Jota. And you know, we both decided collectively, I think, I think we each were seeing the merits of moving, making that move this game week, but we both decided it was probably worthwhile to bank the transfer. And we both were bit by it a little bit. Uh, because Kai doesn't really do anything for Chelsea in a nice win and Jota scores. So c'est yeah. la vie, it's a long season. And I think we're gonna make those moves back in, if we are smart with our transfers going forward. But uh, you know, Brian's team, my team, they look pretty similar. The only real difference is I had Tony Rüdiger. He ends up Oof. delivering, he has a massive 14-point showing. So that's great for me. And Mad also- Bucks,
1: can can you can you just go through your emotions of yeah, we haven't had Premier League in two weeks, and the first goal of the game week is a Rudiger header, header who you own from a corner from Chilwa. Like, yeah. Absolute twenty four points, like on the board, like basically in the first sixty minutes of the opening game week uh, coming back. That's got to be quite the feeling. I have to say
0: that I am really loving when Chelsea play the opening match of the game week. Uh, this one, yeah, they've been I- hot there. Yeah, they, they tore up Norwich 7-0 with that time slot, and they did the same thing this game week. Again, another, I would say Leicester is a much more challenging opponent, but they really put them to the sword, and against Norwich, I ended up with 24 points, and this one, I had Chilwell as well, so I get 23, so you love to see it, and that just started my day the right way. I had, <laughs> Tony had a good game, he ends up with a goal, he's someone that I've stayed loyal to. and yeah, just really the defense came through for me. I had TAA, Cancelo, and then Salah. Steady as he goes, he ends up with eight Ooh. points total. But most of the game captains him, so he ends up with sixteen points. Uh, so, Bucks,
1: your your defenders, not including your goalkeeper, got fifty points, five zero. That might be the only time that that happens the entire season. Like it's truly incredible to have each one of your picks come off for huge point hauls. So congratulations there looking just like at the the app on your phone and you're like am yeah, i reading I, this correctly i'm doing pretty good
0: <laughs> this game week i will say one thing which is bizarre and worth noting and this is maybe jumping ahead a little bit but reese james who i don't have in my side is an absolute bonus points monster whereas chillwell who i think in this game, I think actually Chilwell outplayed Reese James by the eye test. Oh, definitely. 100%. Does not he doesn't suck up bonus points the way that Reese James does. So that's something if you are on the fence on which of those players you want to bring in. I think Reese James is the one to get. He might be a little more of a rotation risk, but when he plays and if they keep a clean sheet, he's pretty much the guy who's getting three bonus
1: points. So I mean, ultimately it just comes down to you get a lot of. Bonus for passes that you make successfully. And then you also lose bonus when you miss shots. And Chilwell missed a couple shots in this game that easily could have been goals. I mean, we forced Schmeichel into his hardest save of the day, probably in one of his shots. And Chilwell is very unlucky not to come up with at least 15 to 18 points in this match, personally. So I'm happy to own him. But uh yeah, we'll we'll discuss the premium marvel esque universe of fullbacks a little bit later. All right. And with
0: that, we should shout out the superhero of the game week. The manager of this week was the son of Grafton and manager Nick Buchholz. He ends up topping the scoring in the FPL Blues Super League, our podcast mini league with 88 points. Massive showing from Nick. Double
1: Ocho's, double snowmen out here. He's from Wisconsin. He's from my hometown. He's stacking up those snowmen right now in the cold And uh, put an 88-point spot up there. Very impressive. Well done. Yeah, and really, you know, Nick's team is anchored by three Chelsea defenders.
0: He has Rudiger, Chilwell, and Mendy in goal. So that's a really interesting differential. Like, I think, most of us, he also has TAA and Salah who deliver. And he has a different – and he has Cancelo, so he also had a very strong back line. And then – where Nick is different than I think most of the FPL community is he still has Alex St. Maximin and Alan St. Maximin ticks on the points and he's looking rejuvenated uh, in that Newcastle team. And they haven't won a game yet, but ASM has been putting FPL points up on a regular clip. So he ends up with 10 points. So strong performance. Yeah, he, for, he,
1: you know. he looked, he looked very good too. And he's got the, he had the awesome, like uh kind of tie-dye orange ninja headband on oh that was one of my looks of the game week for sure
0: yeah asm looking like a naruto uh ninja warrior in this one (laughs) with that now that we've celebrated nick and we've discussed how we did in the game week we're going to take a quick break when we come back we want to shout out the top performers on the pitch for fpl in game week 12 before looking ahead to game week 13 when we're back
1: So taking a look at the top performers in game week 12, the defenders continue to dominate bucks, obviously some highly owned defenders like Trent Chilwell Reese, James Rudiger, they all delivered. But then we also had some big contributions from goal scorers, including Tyrone Mings, who had 15 points. Let's also shout out our boy Rico Suave. He got his second goal in back-to-back games for Brentford um, there are also goals from lots of other defenders. Ben, me for um, for Burnley. Just crazy that all the defenders are the ones getting the goals, whereas the you know the strike force, the premium strikers, are just getting donuts. Yeah, this was
0: this continues to be the trend of the season where going big at the back really seems like the recipe for success because the premium forward spot is really not punching at the price point that it should be. Ronaldo gets an assist this game week, but really was invisible for most of the game. Otherwise, Vardy blanks, Kane blanks, and you're just really not getting your money's worth at that forward position. And because the goals and bonus points are more readily available for defenders in the event that they deliver, they're going to get more points for every contribution, plus clean sheets going to increase their bonus point potential through the roof. We're really seeing that there's outsized returns for those semi-premium and premium defenders game week in and game week out. And that was true this game week as well.
1: Yeah, Bucks. I mean, the formation of a 4-4-2 really seems like that might be the way going forward for the next um, you know four plus game weeks just to see how things net out. Obviously, Chelsea's been on fire keeping clean sheets and their wingbacks in. Reese James and Chilwell have really delivered massive returns for people. So I'm really jealous of those who jumped on Reese James early when he was 5.5, 5.6, instead of going where I went in Asplaqueta. that seems to have backfired miserably for me, but even, you know, you look at, you look at Rudiger, like you, you still would want James over him. So I think it's a really interesting time to switch your formation and try and get those four guys in the back because they're posting attacking stats along the same lines of the forwards. And they're half the cost, and they're also getting clean sheet points, right? So their their ceilings seem to be, or their their floors as well, you know, both seem to be much higher. So I would highly recommend if you don't have those four guys, maybe think about prioritizing getting one of those guys in that you don't have over one of those shiny toys in midfield or in your strike force. Yeah, I would say that T A
0: A Cancelo and then one Chelsea defender is for sure. A must-have at this point. That's essential. You know, looking ahead to the festive fixtures, there's so many games coming up in such a short window that I'm actually comfortable sticking with Rudiger because I think he is the most nailed. And so I think a sideways move Rudiger to Reese James at this point doesn't make sense based on the price difference, et cetera, et cetera. But in a vacuum, I mean Reese James, if I had my wild card, he would be the one of the first names on my new team sheet for yep. sure. And it totally goes-
1: agree. And he, he had, a, he had a goal chalked off because of that, you know, over delayed offside, um, yeah. delayed offside. Right. So he could have even been on more points. I, I will say though, he was very fortunate to get an FPL assist this week. Conte did all the work on that, on that uh, goal that he scored basically a sideways pass from about midfield. And he dribbled through and had an excellent classy finish, which is usually not Conte's uh, form, uh, but he you know gets on the score sheet there. So a very fortunate uh assist for for james owners but then again he crushes it on on bonus on baps so a uh, player that you can't ignore just to take a
0: step back trent alexander arnold and tyron mings are the top game week scores they have 15 points each then rudiger as we mentioned before he has 14 as does emmanuel dennis budget darling oh, forward dennis option.
1: the menace is back He's back, baby.
0: he's back in my thoughts and he's an earworm for sure. I think for many uh, FPL managers looking to free up funds and the next spot is João Cancelo, Reese James, Sadio Mane, and Christian Benteke. They each end up with 12 points apiece. So a uh, real grab bag of top point scores this game week. I don't think we can hammer home enough that the key takeaways thus far this season is that defenders are hauling and that the, Top scorer for game weeks have regularly been defenders, and it's really often by a wide margin. So I think going big at the back is the way to go. And as we look ahead towards the festive fixtures, those should be the priority transfers for pretty much all FPL managers across the board. As we mentioned earlier on the episode, the real story from game week 12 was all the goals being scored around the Premier League. Watford hangs four on Man United to officially send Ole Gunnar Solskjaer packing and out of a job. Liverpool, they back up their manager in a big way. Jurgen Klopp getting into it with Mikel Arteta on the sideline.
1: Ooh, and that, was, that was feisty. That was, that was very feisty. feisty.
0: And what does Liverpool do? They go and they hang four on Arsenal while keeping a clean sheet. So that's that's a real way to show your coach that you have their back and that just reminds everyone here here's a dad joke incoming never bring a gunner to a bazooka battle that's for sure they <laughs> arsenal got totally blown out and that was uh, oh, a sight to see
1: bucks you know what's funny in that match too is like we're both ramsdale owners and he played great and ended up with one point so that was a kind of a funny situation where you know you're, you think your goal player or your goalkeeper is playing pretty well but in FPL if the other team's hanging goals you're just not going to get any points
0: Honestly, that scoreline was probably a little generous to Arsenal because Liverpool probably could have had six, seven, maybe even eight if Ramsdale didn't stand on his head a couple of times in goal. (laughs) And you know what was shocking, Brian? You know, having two teams score four goals, that's a pretty strong game week in and of itself. But then there were six other teams that scored three goals apiece. So uh, just totally maniacal game week from a scoring perspective. Chelsea go 3-0 on Leicester. Man City goes 3-0 on Everton. And then out of nowhere, Burnley Crystal Palace is a 3-3 goal fest. And, and then you have Brentford Newcastle, not wanting to be outdone, also goes 3-3 goal fest for draws. So it's just wild game week, goals everywhere. My grandma could have gotten a goal. There were so many goals in this game week. So <laughs> It was just wild to see. You love to see it from an FPL perspective.
1: Looking at Newcastle, obviously new regime. Um, Mr. Eddie Howe not on the sidelines for this one. It'll be interesting to see how they get more organized when he does appear. But you can definitely bank on at least three goals being scored in any match that they play in. They're so attacking because they frankly, that's all they can do. They can't defend. And so there isn't a lot of you know counter-attacking football. It's just one-way traffic towards one goal, and then they're sprinting back on defense, play defense. Very quickly. So it's definitely an appealing, um, appealing matchup for future captaincy shouts because they they just love to play that frantic pace.
0: Yeah, and that's a good transition because it's worth mentioning that after this game week, Norwich City are no longer the bottom of the barrel in the Premier League. They secure their second yeah, big straight w. win. Uh, they're on a little winning streak. Didn't think we'd say that all season. And they leapfrog Newcastle, who are now the bottom of the barrel. They are at the 20th place spot in the Premier League, they have yet to get a win on this season, which is uh, pretty remarkable because they do have some talented players in select spots.
1: So. Hats off to Norwich, right? Like they pulled off the victory versus Southampton, who have been very uh, stifling on defense, and they get a 2-1 victory there. I think that McCarthy probably could have saved at least one of those goals. So it's a bit unfortunate for Livermento owners to only get one point from him but uh you know neither of us own them so we, we didn't mind that scoreline at all
0: yeah fM uh honestly the Nor- <laughs> Norwich's expected goals in this one was like less than a quarter of a of a point so uh they had like 0.24 expected goals for so yeah well, like you said Southampton were a little hard done by this result but good on Norwich good on Dean Smith and I think it shows what selecting just your best starting 11 is going to do because billy gilmore was exceptional and for some reason daniel farka just wasn't wasn't seeing it from him and so he wasn't getting regular minutes but i think with that yeah. brian if you have anything else to add let's move on to yeah premium. i
1: actually did have one more game i just want to touch on again is the the crystal palace and burnley match right crystal palace actually had like top five defensive stats from their first like, you know, dozen games or so. And they are playing a Burnley side who is notoriously low scoring, kind of grinded out. And this was surprising to see them give up three goals. Cause I know Crystal Palace has a nice run. A lot of people are actually considering um, Guaita and goal or possibly one of their like Tarek Mitchell for a 4.5 defender. Interesting to see if this becomes a trend. Obviously they're playing much more attacking football which leaves them open. And so I'm just curious to see how they go with their upcoming fixture run again. It's it's really quite impressive the run that they have coming up, and so the likes of Benteke and Gallagher look to be decent shouts. I mean, they play Villa, Leeds um, in the next two. Manchester United, yeah, maybe hard, maybe not. Everton, Southampton, Watford. So it's just kind of interesting to see. Obviously, new manager Vieira. He's done a fantastic job, but this is one of those that you're just surprised that Burnley did score three goals. Yeah.
0: Burnley, not historically a team that pours in the goals, but I think this is a new season and Max Cornette has been such a revelation for them. And oh, then on the other side sensational of the ball, finish yeah, in that game, incredible strike. And, you know, worth mentioning that crystal palace, same story. You know, I think it would be, you'd be looking for a long time to find a game where crystal palace hangs three goals on anybody. And it seems like they're scoring goals pretty much every game week in bunches. So uh, both these teams are really rewriting our expectations and rewriting what to expect from them on a regular basis.
1: One thing as an FPL manager, we need to you know make an active note of is just understanding it is a new season and we need to remove our previous biases about teams um, because they can change formation. They can have a new manager come in. You can look at somebody like Burnley who, are typically not very attacking they change formation and maxwell cornet is basically becoming the player that we all thought mboma was going to be playing up top next to tony now cornet is playing um up top next to wood and he's very technically gifted very flashy uh, quite frankly not a signing that uh deitch usually makes so somebody that we we should definitely keep on our radar and even though you don't think burnley plays attacking they seem to have been scoring a lot more goals this season Um, So just something to keep in mind that you can't have these previous conceptions um, shroud your judgments when picking differentials, especially.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. And I think that's enough on game week 12. Let's look ahead to game week 13. And I think most notably, we want to shout out that there is a lot of midweek matches this week. And this is really the start of a really busy period for footballers in the premier league, especially. So there's champions league, there's Europa league, and then there's Europa conference league. It doesn't really make sense to me, but that's the name they went for. And so that's happening Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week. So if at all possible, if you can hold out making a transfer until the, Games end and you know your player that you're targeting is healthy. And better still if you could wait for the manager's press conference on Friday. So worth just quickly diving into those matches. Tuesday, Juventus come to Chelsea. Man United go to Villarreal. Wednesday, Porto at Liverpool. PSG at Man City. And then on Thursday, West Ham at Rapid Vienna. Legia at Leicester. And Spurs at Muramurska Sabota i definitely did not pronounce that right (laughs) anyway so it's just you know i think those you want to be patient with your moves make sure your player is healthy and it's a lot of fixtures and a lot of footy coming in the next couple game weeks
1: yeah and to be honest i think chelsea is going to feel a pretty strong team versus juventus so it could give you insight to the fact if uh, reese james is going to play again versus man you on the weekend or Uh, you know, same thing goes for City and PSG, you know, City's going to put out a pretty strong side there because PSG is uh, obviously a big attacking side from uh, the French part of uh, the world. So I think it'll be very interesting to see how some of these results play out and hopefully no injuries to our FPL owned players.
0: Yeah. And also it's nice to see that Chelsea, Liverpool, and City are all playing at home. I feel a little bit for Man United having to travel so close to a massive showdown with Chelsea on the weekend. But most notably is that PSG and Pochettino are coming to Manchester. He might be home shopping during that game week picture because uh, <laughs> he is being reported as one of the candidates in line and in contention for the man United side. So let's see if he likes Manchester after all, uh, It'll probably be rainy and cold when he visits. So uh, not the best uh, home buying weather for that.
1: I mean, I, I respect him as a manager, so I'm kind of hoping that it is rainy and he decides to stay uh, in uh, La Liga or, or what is, what is the French league called again? Uh Ligue Un. 1. Ligue 1. Yeah. Ligue 1. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I'm 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 happy for him to stay abroad rather than come coach one of uh, Chelsea's rivals.
0: Yeah, for sure, he'd be uh, ditching the real goat Messi for the uh, the fraudulent goat in Ronaldo. So uh, oh hey, wow. He wow, he can't go wrong. He can't go wrong. Hot take
1: uh, there, Bucks. Hot take.
0: And looking ahead at the FPL and Premier League matches, there really is one standout match that I think the FPL managers will be wanting to target. That's Southampton at Liverpool. Um, there are a couple other one-sided matches, Wolves at Norwich, Newcastle at Arsenal, Watford at Leicester all appear to be kind of more, you know, one side is is superior to the other. But that Liverpool match, I'd be hammering Mo Salah. And uh, I think if you had any conviction that you want to bring in a third Liverpool player, if you have Salah, if you have TAA, you might want to be considering bringing in another Liverpool player for that matchup at home. So. One to watch
1: yeah I think Jota had a flag in the FPL game hopefully he'll be fine I think he might have a you know a knock on his knee he collided with Ramsdale in that matchup so I think he might miss their midweek game and then feature on the weekend and I know he's one of our top targets as he is for many players Liverpool have a sensational run coming up for the next six to eight game weeks. so he's a player that's playing centrally for Liverpool we've talked about him every pod basically but. He's still at 7.5 million pounds and somebody who I would love to have in my team at any time. And then actually, I just want to share a hot take with you, Bucks. I think obviously we fret about the likes of Ronaldo, Lukaku, Kane, Bruno earlier. I think Sadio Mane is going to end up in that premium bracket with the most points out of all of those other players this season. Hot take. What do you think there, Bucks?
0: I said it. I said it like three game weeks ago. I said it. I was like, the move is to just. Forgo the Spurs, guys, and just bring in Salah and Mane. And he's going to be the differential. He scores. When Salah doesn't score, Mane scores. And he's just, the Liverpool attack is by far and away the best in the Premier League. They're just better than City right now going forward. And that's hard to say because they are a thinner roster. But between Salah and Mane and either Jota and Firmino, They score goals every game, and one of those players delivers every single match, if not more than one.
1: It's just really hard, though, Bucks, to spend the money on Mane as a true premium when you can get Jota for four and a half million cheaper. So I think that's really what sways us. But when you look at all of these premium strikers, I don't think it's going to be even close, given how involved the actual Kind of forward line and attackers are on Liverpool. Like they, they score all their goals. Whereas right? you look at somebody like City, goals are all spread out. Kane's not scoring any goals. Who knows what's happening with United and then Chelsea? Their wing backs score more goals than likes of Kai and and uh, and Lukaku. So just interesting to see how that one continues to play out. But I think Mane is is definitely a huge differential, and I think he's unlike Jota. You could comfortably captain Mane as a potential differential right whereas you're probably never going to captain jota again just just things to think about especially if you're i think you know outside of the top you know half a million these are things that you could take a punt on and, and see if you can rise in the ranks
0: yeah this is going to be one of the strangest uh, golden boot award seasons you probably ever going to see it's really the liverpool duo and then a bunch of wingbacks uh in contention <laughs> right now so you don't expect to see it Uh, We do want to just mention that the marquee matchups for game week 13 both happen on Sunday. West Ham go to Man City at the Etihad. Uh, This is a really interesting match both teams are in the top four or at least close to it. And Man United come to Chelsea with a new manager. Uh, They have interim manager Michael Carrick at the helm and Chelsea are just in a great run of form, might even be having Lukaku back in fitness and in the side. So uh, two great matchups to uh, close out the weekend. Love to see that.
1: All right, we're gonna take a quick break here and come back with some community questions as we dive into the minds of FPL managers headed into game week 13. We'll be right back.
0: And we're back. First question is from Amar, who's leading the FPL Blues Podcast Super League another game week in a row. And he asks, Well done. Well done, Amar. He's asking about the best budget forward option from Watford, either Josh King or Emmanuel Denis. Brian, I'll give it to you first. I have a pretty strong opinion on this.
1: Honestly, they're both pretty good options. Like I would feel very comfortable, especially going into the holiday fixtures with either one of them being my first bench slot not a player or price point that i want to start every week josh king is 5.6 million right now on monday as we're potting and uh, dennis is 5.3 but after we saw that match with watford versus manchester united i'm leaning towards king because he's looked very active he can you know pass and also score goals find the back of the net. But he might now be on pens after we saw sar miss two in a row. Obviously, SAR is a very young player. He's their talisman at the club at the moment. So I I respect um, you know, the manager giving him the opportunity to put that those pens away. Two bad misses. They weren't they weren't very impressive at all. De Gea stopped both of them. So I could really see King potentially being on pens and that would put another feather in his cap. What do you think, Bucks?
0: Yeah. So I've confessed my love. For Emmanuel Dennis earlier in the season, he is just a spark plug and I love the way he plays. However, he does seem to be getting yellow cards pretty much each and every match. And that would be a reason that I would be loath <laughs> to be banking the extra funds. And I would probably want to go Josh King. Josh King has played every minute since Claudio Ranieri has come in to lead the side for Watford. And he's clearly their number one attacking option plus, as Brian mentioned, he might now be on penalties. So I think 5.6 million is a good price to get a locked in third forward option. Worth mentioning with both these Watford guys, they have a brutal run of fixtures in the next three. They play Leicester, then Chelsea, and then City. So really, this is a move that you want to make out of luxury you want to be able to move make this move free up funds elsewhere as you look ahead to future transfers so i'm definitely looking at one if not both of these guys next one up
1: yeah bucks just to um, touch on the yellow card so the way that the yellow cards work in the premier league is basically players have up until december 31st and if they get five yellow cards they will have to sit out one game and then they can come back to action and then after if you you're, you're on four yellow cards and then it actually resets on the first of the year. So just something to keep in mind, um, Richarlson for Everton. He picked up another yellow, so he's now on five. So he'll miss the next match versus Brentford, which actually bodes quite well. Um, Everton have a, a slew of players out for that match. But, um, uh, I think Dennis actually served his suspension already because he is leading the premier league with six total yellow cards in the first half of the season.
0: Yeah, he could end up uh, with 10 before the end of the year with all the matches that are coming. Next question (laughs) is from Andrew. He asks, does Steven Gerrard being appointed to be the new Villa manager increase the value for either Ings and or Ollie Watkins? And do we see a resurgence possibly with Villa now getting healthy? Uh, Brian, I'll let you take this.
1: Yeah, I thought it was interesting showing from the villains, obviously they've been terrible on defense bottom four really thus far. And when you look at their side, they have some solid talent across the board, um, in their defense. So it's kind of surprising that they were letting in that many goals, obviously with a change at the helm, I think uh, it was also, again, interesting to see that Gerard pretty much played their kind of current standing starting 11. He didn't make any wholesale changes. He's basically treating this as Hey, let's reset. Let's see what you guys have to offer and how you fit in this new uh 433. And really, Watkins looked really great, great, grabs a great goal. And we know on this pod, we love his workhorse mentality. And he could be somebody at 7.3 million who is a differential pick in the forward line, who's not, you know, expensive at all. What do you think, Bucks?
0: Yeah, I agree. Watkins would be my pick just because of the price differential, and he's a workhorse, so I love, I know that he's going to play now that he's fit pretty much 90 minutes each and every match, no matter, you know, when it comes in the game week and how much rest he has between the matches, he's going to play and he's going to give it a real go. The one standout player that I that caught my eye from this match was actually Buendia. He was a popular pick coming into the season, and under Gerard, you just saw he was playing a lot more advanced. So I think that mm. might be an interesting mid-priced midfielder that we might be speaking on in a couple of game weeks, as you know there might be some injuries or uh, some players see more regular rest. Buendia is a player that, when healthy, you know Villa don't play extra football this season, so that's going to be a real feather in their cap as they look to pick off some points and get some wins and results uh, during the month of December.
1: Yeah, I think we should give them a couple of game weeks under Gerard to find their identity, see what trends come out of that. Their next four fixtures are really tough. Actually, they are going to play Crystal Palace in game week 13. Then they play Manchester City, Leicester and Liverpool. So come, you know, game week 17, I think that's when we should be considering some of their players And they'll play, uh, have a nice fixture turn Norwich in game week 17, Burnley in 18. So just players to keep on your watch list, um, but they could definitely turn it around. And that goes for all these uh, teams. I think, Bucks, this is one of the earliest points in a season where we've seen this much turnover across managers in the relegation zone, but also kind of top clubs like Manchester United, Tottenham. Uh, Very, very interesting to see all these changes.
0: Yeah, it's been a wacky season. And I think that we're seeing not only a lot of turnover in the managerial role, but also just in the standings. There's not a lot of points separating kind of that messy middle of the Premier League table right now. So so there's a lot of opportunity for teams to just go on a small win streak and jump a couple places and all of a sudden be thinking that they're in contention for a spot of European football. So that's just something to keep an eye on. And I also think that for the Premier League right now, certain teams have had really hard starts to the season, i.e. a Crystal Palace. They've had some really tough matchups and, you know, certain teams have kind of gotten off easy uh, with a very cush run of their schedule happening in the rear view mirror. Now, as we look ahead, there are a number of fixture swings that are going to be coming in the next few game weeks. Uh, most notably that I saw stand out was wolves. They have Norwich this weekend and I believe they have one more soft match after that. And then all of a sudden things get really ugly, really quick for them. So, uh, just, if you're a, if you're a He Chang Huang owner, uh, I'd be, uh, figuring out my strategy to move off him and bring in one of these Watford guys uh, to be his replacement in the next couple of game weeks and the transfer windows.
1: Bucks, we're still in the community questions part, but that was a a good tease to my transfer plans later um, because like you mentioned, starting game week 15, they play Liverpool, City, Brighton, and then Chelsea. And I want no part of uh, owning Jimenez or uh, Huang for those fixtures. so. Um, definitely somebody to potentially move off of. All right, next question, Bucks, is from me. Let's talk about Ole out. How does this affect oh. Manchester United from an FPL perspective? Are we expecting them to have a big turn of, uh, of score lines around? What what are we thinking? They're coming into a very nice, cushy part of their schedule in a couple game weeks. Obviously, they play Chelsea and Arsenal in the next two, but then they play Crystal Palace, Norwich, Brentford, and Brighton, and they could really turn things around here. Does this make CR7 more attractive up front?
0: You know what? I've been saying that Ole probably needs to go for a little bit, but as a Chelsea fan, I've been very happy that he's kept his position for as long as he did. (laughs) However, So evil,
1: Buck. So evil. (laughs) um,
0: I can be twisted at times. However, I will say that the last couple of game weeks have really proved to me that it wasn't a managerial problem. It was a problem in the locker room. And I think that the players need to stand account and be be called on and called out for the way that they've performed and the lack of intensity and just the wrong mentality that they've had in some of these matches. I mean, the Liverpool match was a major red flag and they haven't really come back with a you know, return to form performance. So for me, having a United player in your team right now is a big risk, whether it's Bruno, who looked terrible against Watford, he was probably one of the worst players for Man United on the pitch that game, or Ronaldo, you know, he has been getting returns, but I, I just don't know the, the team needs to show me that they actually are serious about being a top side with the t- kind of talent they have, they should be getting returns on the regular but this team had they're missing mojo right now and i wonder if they're going to need to ship players out in january or bring players in during the upcoming transfer window to kind of shake it up but uh i really at the end of the day by the time ole got dismissed following this watford fixture i didn't think it was his fault i thought it was on the players
1: yeah i mean i don't think he was a top 10 manager in the world by any stretch of the imagination but i think we've identified a lot of their problems lie in their midfield defense. You know, they need a a prime time defensive midfielder that can go box to box and really have some speed. Um, You know, McSauce and Fred they're fine, but I feel like they're kind of duplicate kind of have the same types of skills and it would be really helpful for their center backs to have a player that can help pivot the ball. And, you know, they have all these, Prime time, but they have attackers. it. Attackers, they have it. It's Donny
0: Vanderbeek. He's a stud, and he's oh, just been, been wasting. He's been wasting. Away. The the problem with United is they have they have such a glut of talent, but they haven't figured out a system to really put everyone in the best position. I mean, Pogba's missing games now with an injury. Greenwood is a late scratch for COVID. It's just one thing after another. They bring in Jaden Sancho. They don't have a position for him to play from the jump. They got a lot of problems to figure out, and I think. Uh, the interim coach is not going to be the solution. So uh, definitely that Chelsea game and their upcoming match at Villarreal, who knocked them out in the Europa League championship game last season, those are both going to be really tough games to kind of fix the plane in flight. So uh, I feel for Michael Carrick, who's going to be kind of the shepherding manager for those next two games.
1: Yeah, I think one thing we're looking for in the next manager for manchester united is to find somebody who has a little bit more of an iron fist um less of a player's manager i think again they have a so many riches um especially on the attacking side of the football and it'll be interesting to see how that kind of resolves itself because a a player friendly coach it might not be what what they need um i think there's also since there's such a global brand there's a lot of pressure from the fans to bring in The right manager, and that manager, I don't think exists on the current market right now, right? Pochettino is potentially rumored as being interested, but is that going to happen? Is he going to leave PSG mid-season where he's easily going to win his first you know piece of hardware? I I don't, I don't know, Bucks. I I think that that would would be a good fit, but I don't see it happening until the end of the year, and that just puts them in a further state of flux. And CR7 ain't getting any younger, and um, you know for FPL he's twelve point four million. I can't be bothered at that price tag.
0: Yeah, agreed. And and we did also, I think, Brian, you wanted to ask about another new uh, appointed manager, Conte. We're getting a lot of questions about the Spurs duo in Kane and Son. They both blank and they both were a little invisible, surprisingly so, in their last match. And they really do have an easy run of fixtures, but with neither of them really delivering Uh, there's to stay away. If you have them already in your side, I would hold them and I would start them for sure. In the next few matches, the real player for me, that's going to get the major Conte bump is Region. He scores a tap in goal. So you, if you made that move already, you already have seen that pay dividends, but otherwise Spurs just need to get their mojo back right now. They are, as you made a joke in one of our mini league threads they are not hot spurs <laughs> right now they're cold spurs and they are like bone spurs right now they're just stuck in the mud they're moving very ouch, slowly ouch. and they need to they need to get back to scoring two three goals in a clinical way uh specifically from harry Kane. so uh i think that both spurs and united are a wait and see for me
1: yeah i think it's going to take time for Conte to employ a completely different system than they were utilizing before and i think that's just gonna take time to play out. Like Buck said, if you have Kane or Son, keep them, hold them for this run of next three fixtures, which are very appealing. Burnley, Brentford, Norwich, um, and then Brighton. Brentford's been giving up three goals a game, so that might be the get-right game in this. Burnley just gave up three to Crystal Palace, so we could see some goals come in. And, you know, in the first half of that game, I watched very closely, because obviously I had Son, a differential of sorts for me um, in the last match of the game weekend, the link up play between Mora, Son and Kane was not very good. I think players were a little bit tentative because they're thinking about how Conte wants them to play. They were not making reactionary plays on the pitch. They were holding the ball too long. And when you have Skip and Hoiberg as your midfielders, there's not a lot of creation there either. So are definitely candidates to bring in kind of like a central attacking midfielder, somebody creative in the January transfer window, and I think that would help them a lot because they're truly their most creative player is Kane, right? And he, although he can drop deep, you want him next to goal, and he can't do both because he's clearly at that age where he you know can't sprint that much. He looks really slow. Uh, I think that was one of the main questions from uh, Andrew Steinberg in our uh, FPL mini league is just why does Kane look so bad? And that, that's something that we gotta, we gotta see out in the pitch, but I don't know. I'm, 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 lukewarm. You, you, you can, you might have one of them, but if they don't deliver next three games, move off of them immediately.
0: Yeah. It's uh, always concerning when Lucas Mora is the attacker that looks the best uh, for a side that also features young Min song and Harry Kane. So uh, I, yeah. Think this- and at
1: uh, box and Mora, <laughs> I was watching, um, one of the fantasy football scout videos on YouTube today. And they were saying, although Mora was rather creative, he lost the ball 16 times in yeah, the first half. His he's passing is so sloppy, but he he's
0: definitely, he's running a lot harder than Harry Kane is right now in the season. That goes without saying. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's just uh, they can't quite get it right. So I think things to take away from this, if you have one, keep Sonner Kane. The only other player I would consider bringing in is, is region who looks to be more attacking. He had, I think, two or three shots. So uh, at his price tag of 5.1 could be a uh, you know small differential in the back line.
0: Yeah, just one last thing that I do want to mention uh, specifically on Harry Kane. I know a lot of FPL managers have been setting up and figuring out how to fit in that premium striker spot. I've had Vardy for a number of game weeks, and he's blanked and blanked and blanked. But I was holding out because I wanted to move him to Kane. However, right now I'm looking at it and Vardy is just the better player. So I'm going to be keeping Vardy until I see something from Kane. It saves me a little bit of money. And you know, same story with Ronaldo. I want to see Ronaldo really start ticking on and maybe having a brace. So that Vardy spot is a placeholder in that premium bracket with Lukaku coming back. Maybe that becomes a little more of a of an interesting position to hold for FPL managers. But again, it's, you need them to be performing on an outsized basis. You can't be having Kane, Ronaldo and Vardy being outscored by Christian Benteke two game weeks in a row and feel (laughs) like you're doing well in FPL. So with that, I think we can take a quick break. We're going to wrap this up by covering our transfer plans and captaincy selection for game week 13 before we say bye.
1: All right, Bucks, we're back. Let's talk about our transfer plans because we both have two free transfers going into game week 13. It's a great feeling. And looking at your side, you have a couple kind of holes in your team. I think the likes of Edward, he didn't start on the weekend. He's taking out about 6.5 million up in your squad at the moment. Uh, A little A little bit expensive potentially for your first bench player um and i think you know you were hoping for him to return like benteke has the last couple game weeks so what are you thinking here with your side are you going to be addressing your weakest link or are you going to be aggressive and go for um one of the more attacking players um this game week yeah don't remind me of my mistake of choosing edward over
0: benteke let alone jimenez but I have two free transfers, as you mentioned, and I'm going to be waiting as long as possible to make this move, but I'm for sure using two transfers, if not potentially taking a hit to make three transfers. And really the priority in my team is to move off kind of yesterday's news to get ahead of the curve on some players while also freeing up funds. So I'm going to go for sure Kai Havertz to a cheaper midfielder. Right now I have that penciled in as Diego Jota and I'm going to be moving off Edward. And right now I'm bringing in Josh King. That's my move. It's a move Mm -hmm. with an eye to the future. As you mentioned, my Watford Josh King player is not going to be playing in any of these matches if I can avoid it, but that move saves me 1.5 million and banks that for a future move. If I were to take a hit, I can go straight swap of Mbomo to either Connor Gallagher or bring in a player the likes of a Max Cornette. But uh, if I had to choose one, it would be Gallagher. But I think I'm going to wait to make that move until it's more clear with fixtures that those are the guys and that they are in fact locked and, and going to be healthy and playing every match. So my moves right now. All right,
1: Bucks. All right. So so Havertz, he injured his hamstring. Is that the word that we, he we don't know how long he's out, but he's got a tweak?
0: Yeah, so in advance of the Champions League match, Tuchel mentioned that Havertz has a little bit of a hamstring problem. He didn't say if it was an injury or whatnot, but that doesn't sound good. And plus, it seems like Lukaku is ready to be a sub for UCL, which makes me think he's probably ready to be a starter on the weekend with a couple more days rest and training. So Havertz is not going to be be the number nine, I don't think, for maybe more than another half a game week. going forward.
1: Yeah. So you save about half a million downgrading Havertz to Jota. That seems like a a no brainer move in in my opinion. So that just means that you'll likely be starting both in Bomo and Tony this game week. Then once again, you're going to roll out the Brentford double
0: actually. So just to take a step back. So my bench this game week was Edward, then Duffy and Brownhill. So Edward and and Brownhill and my side were rarely going to see the pitch uh realistically because Edward as Brian mentioned you know, he's being boxed out by Ben Teke literally and physically on the pitch at times. Exactly. So that's a tough that was a tough L for me to take on wildcard. My team sheet right now is actually a 532. Uh so I was going to probably bench Bomo, have him be my first or second bench slot and I was going to start Duffy uh, I don't hate that match. I believe they're playing leads. Is that correct? They're playing leads on the game, right? Yeah,
1: they're, they are playing leads and we don't know if Rafinha's, does he have COVID? The reports are no, but with, with an illness and you know, PII these days, you know, maybe more information will come out. I own Rafinha. So I'm hoping that he's back and just had the sniffles. Um, but yeah, that, that's not a bad shout. I mean, without Bamford, in the side as well, um, especially if both of those guys don't play. Um, to starting Duffy is seems like a no-brainer. And you know, through the first 80 minutes, he was on um, you know, I checked the, the he was, on nine, he was on, on nine points. was on nine points. That was that was horrible. And then uh Villa get two late goals, you know, in the last 15 minutes. So um, yeah, he's definitely a decent shout to to start. And Sanchez will be back in goal for this next game, and that obviously shores up their defense a lot more than having their backup keeper play.
0: Yeah. So like I said, right now, Duffy is in my starting side. I think if I make the moves, Josh King will be my first bench option and Mbomo will be my number two. And that's probably how I'll line up. And then next game week I can address Mbomo, barring any injuries. uh, That is my plan right now. How about you, Brian? What are you thinking?
1: I love it, Buck. So one question I have for you is I'm looking at my team and my top two transfer targets are Reese James and Jota. And these are two players I know I want to have long-term it's just figuring out that hopefully jota is injury free by the time the weekend rolls around again picked up a knock we'll see if he's in the ucl side or not but of those two players you know who would you you know transfer in obviously this game week chelsea plays united which i think they could definitely clean them um, given their you know, organization and the unrest at united but jota is one of those players that. You know, it gives you an extra piece of Liverpool who have been so attacking and any competitive FPL manager right now has Trent and has Salah, right? So their differential, whenever you watch them play, is going to be the likes of Mane or Jota. So, you know, of those two players, who would you prioritize bringing in? So I think, unfortunately
0: for you, Reese James is going to be the number one guy because Aspie isn't giving you anything and he's expensive to be regularly on the bench and not even seeing the pitch. So... I think Reese James is that's your number one move by a wide margin, irregardless of whether Jota is fit or not. I think you know the Havertz to Jota move might be a move I make, even if I find out that Jota isn't fully fit for this game week, because that gives me confidence that the next couple game weeks, once he's had this rest, he's for sure going to be playing and probably playing more minutes. So it, it doesn't bother me too much. I think Liverpool and City have the two easiest fixture runs for the next couple of game weeks. So I expect that the rich will get richer and even fatter on some of these weaker opponents. And, you know, Liverpool, as I mentioned, they're scoring in bunches. A lot of managers on FPL Twitter were asking about making the move of Foden to Jota. And I think that's a sideways move. I think if you didn't have either of those players, I'd almost rather have Foden than Jota right now because he is so threatening and, so it's just a, I think those are the two top potential midfielders on the market right now. I think Cornet, Gallagher, those guys are all a, a tier below uh, in our wish list.
1: Yeah, Bucks, when I look at Jota, I feel like you're potentially, when you bring him in now, you're kind of getting on him early because we are going to see both Mane and Salah go to play in African Cup of Nations, right? And that's again on boxing day. So he's going to be their main you know, goal scoring threat for maybe two, two to four game weeks. So I feel like he's a player, again, that you might also build value on because his price is going to rise and keep rising. And so that, that is one thing to consider if you go that way. For me, looking at my team, again, two free transfers. Quetta is my weakest link. And I really want to focus this season on fixing my weakest links as much as possible. So right now i need to have 0.3 to get aspie to james so the options i'm looking at is me either moving huang to dennis which is at this very moment as we're potting is straight money and if dennis rises in price then i'll be priced out of that so that's one option if nobody drops or falls or i'm probably just going to move Huang down to my boy Kieran Davis, baby, 4.4 million pound striker, a dead slot in my team. I just love the idea of playing a 4-4-2 or even a a crazy 4-5-1. And I'm just enamored with some of the the midfielders. So if I move Huang down to a 4-4, that'll free up 1.2 million. And then I'll actually have exact money to actually move Rafinha to jota for a hit if rafina actually is sick and has a a longer term injury i don't think that's going to be the case but having that extra 0.9 million in the bank going into game week 14 would allow me to upgrade in bomo to the likes of gallagher maybe bowen i'm also taking a look at um, you know trossard in that range so i'm probably going to be playing a weird four five one or a four four two for the foreseeable future. What do you think about that, Bucks? You're making faces at me because we're on we're on the video con conference here. What are your thoughts? This
0: is the most predictable move in the history of the FPL Blues podcast series. Dude, I
1: hate the strikers, man. I hate them. Brian, none of them are just, appealing you... to me
0: you have some weird fetish with the 4.5 dead striker position. We discussed it in preseason. We discussed it at the end of last season. Uh, This is the most Brian chin type move. And I kind (laughs) of love it. I kind of love it. It's a little differential, Uh, but yeah, I I just think there are ways to have a playing guy. I think Dennis is so cheap that uh, that's probably the floor you want to be spending somewhere. 5 million. I would even rather go Brogia. Uh, He is a little more expensive, but he's going to be seeing the field at some point throughout the season. These guys, Sargent and Davis, I mean, they they might as well be playing in Germany and having to pass COVID tests to see the pitch. So they're not ever going
1: to be seeing minutes uh, with that. Yeah. I mean, when you, when, when you, when you look at your squad, the bucks like your third bench player, even through these holiday fixtures is very rarely to come on right we will definitely see times in the next, you know, run of fixtures here where there's a lot of rotation and your second, you know, up to your second bench player comes on. But I, I think that's plenty, you know, having a cheap defender, like, you know, Ben Johnson, Duffy, White, Livermento in that, you know, potential bench slot, that that's great. And then having one stronger bench player, you know, maybe five to six million makes sense. But, there's very few times that Brown Hill is going to come off as your third sub and you're be like, great, I got two points. And if it's the difference of really making upgrades elsewhere, because my next weakest link is Mbomo, I I'm done with him, but I don't, I don't, it's not worth me taking a hit for him. I don't want to move him to Brownhill, For example, um, there's no standout 4.5 million pound player. Whereas I think there are a lot of options between 5.5 and 6.5 million in that slot and that's kind of how i'm playing it right now.
0: No, i i totally get it. I just not sure if it's worth making a hit to bring in that 4.5 uh dead player because you're never going to be seeing points to benefit and make up for the minus 4 that oh, you're yeah. taking.
1: Oh yeah. Well, i i have i have two free, so there there is no there is no move right right now. It would be basically i'm looking at Aspie to James and then weighing either to Dennis or the 4.4 dead player to free up funds for future moves. So that's how I'm leaning. The last question I want to ask you is very team specific for my team. Do I start Mikel Antonio at city? He did score a wonderful overhead scissors kick last season in that fixture, but I given the way that city has been playing defense and the way that Antonio has, you know, I'm, I'm sticking with him. I've decided to stick with him, but I think I might put him as my first bench this week and maybe start somebody like uh, Duffy over him if I really want to get crazy. What do you think?
0: Uh, listen, I think, Antonio, you got to back him. He West Ham can hang goals on anyone. It's unfortunate because he really hasn't been involved in any of their recent goal-scoring efforts. So that is a little spooky, but he's at the price point where I feel like he's just a little too expensive to bench. And he's a little fixture proof from what we saw in the early parts of the season, where I would just back him against anyone. I mean, I played Vardy against Chelsea kind of banking and hoping that he was going to blank. Sometimes you just, you don't want to move a player for for the sake of the upside and he's owned by almost 50% of the game. So he's definitely been in my watch list, but because of the hard fixtures, I'm just going to stay away for now and potentially down the road, I might just be resetting and going Vardy to Antonio uh, and that will be kind of my premium forward spot uh, in, in a couple of game weeks time. But I think you have Huang, he's going to be your differential going up against Norwich. So I think you could you know, pair him next to Antonio and be confident that one of those two guys is going to get a return.
1: So so you're saying that instead of dropping Huang, you would drop Mbomo instead to free up that 0.3 million to get to Reese James. That would be yeah. your, your preference to go to basuma or douglas louise or any 4.5 player instead yeah i
0: think because huang has some good fixtures the next two so i think the uh the third bench spot really it should either be a midfielder or a forward and it should be as cheap as possible but i think that there are more options right now uh in players that are tricking on points In the forward option, actually, and that's historically has not been the case. Normally it's the midfielders around 5 million that you can get for a bargain option, but, and Bomo, he keeps hitting the post. He doesn't keep hitting the back of the net, which is incredibly frustrating. And I know
1: doesn't doesn't get us any points. Doesn't get us any points doing that
0: with confidence, as soon as most FPL managers, Brian, me and you included transfer him out of our side, He is going to have a brace. Mark my words, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Oh, that's exactly how how it works. But I do want to note with Huang, just one last thought. In the last two games, he has had zero shots. And so that is again, why, you know, I think he does a good job on the team linking up and, you know, better IRL, but with no shots in two games, and then all these tough fixtures I'm considering moving off of him instead and, and having a, you know, a, a better in upgrade in game week 13. So anyway, those are the thoughts. Those are the moves. Those are the extra, uh, tinkering that we'll do in our side. One last thing we do need to shout out our captain selection. I am on Sala
0: vice captain, Trent Alexander Arnold. How about you, Brian?
1: Bucks captaincy, it has to go to Sala. He's still for any time returns he's still got to be the number one guy out there um Trent versus southampton that also looks appealing for potential differential um but yeah i think that's it's got to be Salah until the end of the year really I, I think he looks that good and then when he goes to the african cup of nations then we'll have some you know crazy uh captaincy shouts and some rogue shouts which frankly like i'm excited about but given the effective ownership of Salah and his form going against him is, is scary. It, it, it would be like watching the game from behind the couch. And I hate to do that when Liverpool plays.
0: Absolutely. With that, Brian, take us out of here.
1: Thanks again, everyone for listening and tuning in. Please continue to send us your questions. We love talking about them in the pod and uh, having some banter in the chat. So please engage with us on Instagram and Twitter at FPL blues podcast. We're continuing to post our team results and scores and some hot takes. I think Bucks, your hot take was that Livermento is going to outscore Kane. That did not actually happen. So I just want to call you out for that one. You might have to put a, you know, who's actually tweeting that from the account, because I would not have backed that but um it was it was uh, it please, wasn't yeah. too
0: far off it wasn't too far off Let me just two, say that
1: two, 2 to 1 2 to 1 i mean kane did have double the points of livermento this game week but um please continue us continue to follow us and uh, we look forward to game week 13 we're wishing you all some green arrows happy holidays to those in the us big turkey day big thanksgiving uh, bucks any any thanksgiving traditions you want to shout out for your family on that day
0: pumpkin pie over everything good luck ladies and gentlemen let's have a lot of big scores in game league 13 let's let's have it be merry when we come back on uh, the next pod with uh, green arrows for both of us and for a lot of our listeners thanks again
1: onwards and upwards see you bucks